Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. On this week's episode, we have Ben Terrell. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to thank my sponsors. First, NWO IT Services, Synchrony HR, Enterprise Bank and Trust, Go Brand Go, and the Tom James Company. And now to this week's episode with Ben Terrell. Ben Terrell, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. I appreciate you coming on here today. Good morning. Happy to be here. Absolutely. So we've known each other several years through networking, and uh, I've always found what you do fascinating. So um, wanted to bring you on today to kind of talk about what you do. And so let's kind of start there. Why don't you tell us about FranNet and what you guys do? Great. Thank you, Brian. And I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Um, I am the owner of FranNet of Missouri, Kansas, Illinois, and Iowa. I'm here in St. Louis. Have a uh, have a couple of uh, of associates, one here and one in Kansas City. FranNet is a a franchise consulting firm, and what that means is that we help people become entrepreneurs, and we do that by um, helping to match them up with business ownership opportunities, primarily uh, within franchising. So there are about 4,000 franchise brands in the United States. Um, some of them are very good and some of them are not. And we work with a specifically curated group of about 300 different franchise brands uh, across a wide variety of industries and business characteristics. And we utilize a pretty sophisticated matching and assessment process so that we really get to know the, the, the client, what they, you know, what their work styles are, what their uh, preferences are, what their background is, um, you know, we, we get pretty deep so that we can identify brands that might make the most sense for them to look at. And then as they begin to look at brands, you know, we, I, I act as a, as a neutral consultant for them as they go through the process to, you know, to sort of bounce ideas off of or to you know, point out red flags here or there, or give them tools of comparison if they're looking at multiple franchise brands. So it's like an executive recruiting process for, for franchise brands. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pretty neat. So talk to me about what led you to FranNet and how you got there. Sure. Well, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. Uh, my father owned his own business. My grandfather owned his own business. My mother was a financial consultant and had a book of business. And so I'm very uh, familiar with entrepreneurship, but I didn't go into that right away. When I got out of school, I was in a variety of sales positions for 
you know, close to 20 years. Um, and when I would be in these positions, I would, uh, I, I increasingly would find myself being frustrated because I would see decisions being made that I didn't agree with or that I didn't think were um, the right the right move. And uh, sometimes I'd be proven right, but when you're not the owner of the business, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Um, and so I uh, finally decided um, that I, I did need to go out and be on my own. And so what I did, uh, and it's a little bit of a, of a convoluted story, but <laughs> I, I actually was a client of the previous owner of FranNet. So I was, oh, really? uh, yeah, so I actually went to FranNet. I was working with a business coach and he uh, directed me to FranNet uh, as a, a thought, you know, you should talk to these guys. Maybe, maybe this would be a way for you to find a franchise business. And I went through their process and looked at a number of businesses and got pretty close to uh, investing in, in one particular one. Um, but actually, I, I wound up enjoying the process so much and appreciating the process so much that uh, I wound up going on board at FranNet. Uh, with the with the prior owner, you know, with the understanding that after a certain period of time, I could buy into the business. So uh, after I, I had served as you know the associate of the of the previous owner for a year, uh, he actually sold me uh, the business. Oh, that's what I mean. So yeah, so it's it's kind of an interesting. I, I mean, I I can tell my clients when they go through the process that you know I I was you. You know, I've <laughs> I've been you know, a, a refugee of corporate America, uh, ready to do something on my own. And, um, and so I, I really followed the same path that a lot of my clients wind up, um, wind up following, except that rather than buy a, a completely different franchise brand, I, I bought the company that I was working with. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah. so let's talk about franchise for a little bit. Obviously there's so many out there. I mean, like you said, you represent 300, but there's more than that. I guarantee you that. Mm-hmm. Um, Talk to us about franchising for those who may not know. And honestly, I don't know a ton about it other than you, I know you, you buy a franchise and you get the rights to, you know, the brand and, and stuff like that. But tell us the ins and outs about franchising, what makes it unique? Um, maybe what are some of the pros? What are some of the cons of it? Um, and just give us, the, give us the ins and outs of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so franchising is a, a, a very unique and particular way to get into business ownership. So most people that decide they want to start a business. They do it, most people don't buy a franchise. Most people, you know, they open a candle store in Main Street, St. Charles, or they're Mark Zuckerberg creating Facebook in his dorm room or something. I mean, that's kind of the traditional way of entrepreneurship. Um, but there's a, a large number of people that, that really feel the need to be their own boss and really want to do that. But they don't have that light bulb idea where, oh, I'm going to, I've always wanted to open a candle store, so I'm going to do that, you know, uh, or I've, I've always wanted to start a social media app, you know, and so, and so franchising is a way to get into business for yourself. And, and you are, you are your own boss and you are investing in your own business, but you're not by yourself. You're leveraging the fact that a brand has been created. It's been perfected. The processes have been perfected, the, the playbook uh, you know, the rules, the, the branding, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so you're, you're sort of walking into business ownership at, at, on second base, so to speak. And, and what a franchise is, you know, at its core is, you know, you are, you are paying a certain amount of money in order to access sort of the best practices that have been created and refined over time. 
you know, and if it's a retail facing franchise, if it's, you know, one of the household names that we're all familiar with, you know, then you are buying a, a consumer brand that presumably a lot of people know. Um, and that helps you with your marketing and such. But even if it's not a household name, I mean, even if it's in an industry that is not particularly a B2C industry, uh, you know, you're still, you're still buying, uh, you know, a set of practices and a set of systems. And, you know, you might be buying, you're buying the technology and you're buying the, you know, the, the app perhaps, or you're buying, you know, these kinds of best practices. And, um, and so, you know, the failure rate for franchising is far, far, far lower than traditional entrepreneurship, you know, but you do, you know, that does come at a cost. I mean, you, yeah. you purchase the franchise and there's a franchise fee, and then you are almost certainly paying royalties on a monthly or quarterly basis to the franchise brand. And you could consider that perhaps a con, although I would say that you're, in many cases, you're buying things that you'd be buying anyway. I mean, for example, I mean, I pay FranNet corporate a technology fee, you know, but I didn't have to go figure out my CRM or my website or any of that. They did all that for me. Well, so I, I do pay them a small fee for that, but you know what, if I was on my own, I'd be paying somebody to create my website sure. for me. So, you know, so it's not necessarily a con. I mean, I think, you know, there's, there's, there are a lot of pros. There are a lot of cons. I think, you know, if you are the type of entrepreneur that wants to make every single decision themselves, I mean, if you have to make every decision yourself, then a franchise brand is perhaps not the best move for you because there are guidelines and there are expectations. And, you know, if you own a McDonald's, you cannot sell the McRib all year long, even <laughs> if you think you could make it work in Missouri. You right. know, because McDonald's has said, no, you only sell the McRib at certain times of the year. Um, so, I mean, you know, you, you, you do have to take into account the fact that franchise brands have some rules and some guidelines. Um, those are typically in place because somebody has figured out somewhere along the line that that's the best way to do it. But, sure. you know, um, but, but that could be something that, that, that some people don't, wouldn't particularly appreciate. You know, there's also some territory restrictions. I mean, if, you know, if you really, really want to own, um, you know, a cycle bar, you're not going to own it in St. Louis because it's sold out here. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, so there, so there are, are restrictions in that way. Um, but uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's an interesting, unique way to get into business ownership for somebody who wants very badly to do that. But the other thing too, is that, you know, for example, you know, you can compensate for your own weaknesses. So I am not terribly strong in technology. I, I wish I was, I'm not, I struggle with it. You know, if, if I was starting something from scratch, it would be a little bit intimidating to me to set up all the technology and to think about all of that. Well, I mean, so I don't have to do that because I bought into a sure. franchise system. Right. Yeah, so absolutely. anyway, there's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ins and outs of it, but, um, uh, at, at its core, you are investing in the right to sure. own a brand in a particular geographic area. Well, let's talk about some of those brands. Let's talk about, you know, whether you rep represent them or just franchises out there in general. You know, what are some of the most popular ones? And obviously, I, I know that there's a range of costs versus, um, you know, certain franchises are obviously more expensive than other franchises. The one that comes to mind immediately for me is a Chick-fil-A franchise, right? I, I, I know they're very limited. It's very hard to get one from what I've been told. Um, mm -hmm. 
But what are some of the popular one, most popular ones out there, and how do they how do they determine what that kind of cost structure looks like? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, first of all, there are about four thousand franchise brands in the United States, um, and they run the gamut of every kind of industry you can imagine, every kind of business characteristic that you can imagine. You know, I mean, when I'm in a when I'm in a seminar with people, a lot of times I'll I'll ask them to shout out names of franchises they know. And somebody says Chick-fil-A and somebody says McDonald's and somebody says, you know, um, some retail store in the mall or whatever, you know, and 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 then I have to tell them that only about 10 or 15 percent of franchise brands are even retail and, and restaurants and things like that, because there's just such a such a wide variety. So, I mean, when it comes to what is popular, um, I mean, the caveat that I would give before I would answer the question is that it it shouldn't really matter to a buyer what is popular sure. because because it, it's going to be your business. It's got to be something that works for you. I mean, if you cannot stand working with teenagers, then it doesn't matter how popular Chick-fil-A is. You should not go after Chick-fil-A because <laughs> you're going to be working for with teenagers all day long, right? So that's part of our process we go through is what are your, your real motivations and what, what is your real background and all that. Um, but what is, what is proving to be popular right now are service-based businesses, a lot of businesses around the home. I mean, you know, we've all been cooped up with COVID. Um, you know, people have been at home a lot more than they ever were. Um, they have been fixing up their homes. So, I mean, everything from deck building to kitchen remodeling to gutter cleaning to HVAC repair to landscaping. I mean, there are many, many franchise brands in that sort of space, you know, window sure. cleaning and on and on. Those are popular right now. Um, also, anything related to the aging of America is very popular because as we all know, the world is getting older, you know, our, our parents are getting older, our, you know, people are, are, are moving into this, their senior years. And so they, uh, there's a whole range of services and among them are home care and health care. And that's what everybody thinks of, but there's a lot of more brands than that. I mean, there are medical equipment businesses and, you know, home modification businesses and things like that. So those are very popular right now. And then finally, I would say, um, the concept of a semi-absentee business is very popular right now. And let me describe what that is for a second. So a franchise is either a, an owner-operator franchise or a semi-absentee. And there's possibly other, other kinds as well. But a, a owner-operator is when you buy the business and you are literally in there all day, every day, running the business. Uh, a semi-absentee business is a business that you may do, you may work at for 10 or 15 or 20 hours a week. Um, you hire a manager to run it and you're by and large doing something else with most of your day. So the reason that's popular right now is that, you know, a lot of people are saying to me, well, I, I, I have a good job. I'm, I have a good corporate position at, you know, what, whatever company, I don't really want to leave that, but I want another revenue stream. And so they like the idea of a semi-absentee business because it uh, allows them the opportunity to uh, have another revenue stream in a business that's kind of on the, on the side, so to speak. Sure. Um, and, and so those are, those are very popular right now. So, I mean, I would say that, um, you know, 
if somebody is searching for a franchise or thinking about franchise ownership, you know, their first question should not be what is popular, Absolutely. but those are, those are some of the popular brands. And I think because we've been going through this COVID and the recession, you know, I, I would certainly advise, and I do advise my clients to look for businesses that, you know, are not tied to an economic cycle. I mean, you know, recession resistant businesses, um, and, and, and like the home services, for example, are a good, a good example of that. Well, absolutely. And, um, I can only imagine, you know, I, I know how much work my wife and I've done in our house <laughs> since, uh, since COVID. So, um, we've sure. built a house and moved since, and since COVID started, but let's talk about COVID a little bit. You know, I talked to most of my guests on this podcast about COVID, how it impacted their business, but let's talk about COVID and the franchise community. I'm sure you represent restaurants and, and things along those lines, but how did COVID impact really FranNet and your community of franchise owners? Well, it's a, it's a good question. Um, and it's somewhat of a difficult question to answer only because it affected different kinds of brands much differently. Sure. Than each. I mean, there are franchise brands that have never been busier. I mean, that have had, you know, double or close to triple percent growth during COVID. Um, there, there are brands that struggled uh, and, and it's sort of directly tied to what the business does, but it also ties to the operator and the systems that they've set up. And I will give you an example without naming the name, but we represent um, a particular, uh, a particular sort of uh, group of fitness brands. And, you know, fitness brands, some of them really struggled at the beginning of COVID, especially. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Nobody was going to the, nobody was going to the gym. And um, if your entire business model was getting people into the doors of your gym at $12 a month, you were not, you were not doing very well. Um, however, this one particular fitness set of brands, um, you know, they were very, very cutting edge on their technology. They always have been. Um, very cutting edge on their support. They're, they were very, very well capitalized and funded. And so they pivoted like within a few days, they were doing all online classes and they were, they had completely shifted their business model because they were so on it that they wound up, they wound up growing significantly during COVID, which the idea of a fitness brand actually growing during COVID but they did. Yeah. So, I mean, what that, what that tells me and what it should tell people listening to this is that, I mean, you know, one, one sort of narrative does not fit all. Sure. You know, absolutely. It, it, you know, it, it really has to do with the brand and it really has to do with how sharp they are and how quickly they can pivot and all of that. Um, you know, I, I think right now, what I am hearing is this, the labor shortage is, we've all been hearing about this. Um, you know, if you are a, if you're a, a retail brand that relies on, you know, a number of lower paid workers, um, you're possibly having trouble finding those workers and keeping them around. Um, and certain laws in certain states are changing with respect to minimum wages and things like that. And so, um, right now that is, that is kind of a struggle. Yeah. Um, I think that COVID probably washed out some weak players, but the ones that understood how to shift on a dime, um, you know, they're going to come out way ahead because their sure. customer loyalty is going to be there. And, um, and 
you know, it's going to make them stronger. Absolutely. Uh, we ran that itself. We had a phenomenal year in 2020. I mean, I hate to say it because it sounds really borderline. No, <laughs> but I mean, when the economy goes down, we do better because sure. what well, makes total sense. Know, people are getting laid off and people are trying to figure out what their next move is. And they're looking at purchasing franchises and starting a business. I mean, I totally get it. Yeah. I mean, and, I and, mean, your and, target market, your target market is people who are in corporate America who are tired of dealing with corporate America and they want to, they want another opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And, and sometimes that decision gets made for them. Right. Um, and sometimes it doesn't, but you know, so, so we actually, we, we here in St. Louis, we were up uh, close to 40% in 2020 over 2019. Um, and, you know, we're doing well in 2021 as well. Um, so, so COVID, COVID helped us, but, you know, de depending on the brand, it helped them or it possibly hurt them. Sure. But that's where, that's where research is so important. That's where, you know, working not to be a commercial for FranNet, but working with somebody that does this all day long, instead of just absentmindedly Googling, I want to buy a franchise, you right. know, is that's where it's helpful because I mean, we can kind of help people find the strong among the, among the group, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor, Enterprise Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Enterprise Bank & Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. That's why they get to know you in a way that the large financial institutions don't. They are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders, and I highly recommend that you check them out. To learn more, visit enterprisebank.com. And now, back to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Let's shift gears here a little bit and talk about leadership. Um, obviously, you own a business and run a business, um, but also you coach businesses and uh, owners of businesses. So talk to me about leadership, kind of your views on it. Uh, yeah, great question. Um, you know, so I forget who said this, um, but somebody said, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected. Um, and I've always really, um, I've always really thought that leadership was about giving back and about, um, you know, sort of setting the example of doing the, the hard things um, and, and, and supporting the people in your community. I mean, a, you know, a leader is not somebody who kind of sits on high and, um, and just sort of watches everything and, and, you know, uh, directs from a position, you know, more remotely. I mean, a leader is somebody that's in there doing the work with the, with the people that, he or she is leading. Um, and so I've, I've always believed in that in terms of leadership. Um, you know, I, I, I would, I would tell, you know, businesses that, um, you know, the best way to work with people is to find people that, that you trust and that you like, and that you, and, and then, and give them the ability to, to, to do the things that they can do, but be in there with them and sort of lead by example. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the way that I've always, always done it. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I've been involved in some nonprofits. I just sort of believe in, in giving back to the community, you know, whatever, whatever that looks like to you, whether it's your, your city, your church, your, you know, nonprofit group, your business, um, you know, sort of being in the, in the front lines, I think is important. Yeah, um, and absolutely. that's, and that's, and that's what I've, I've, I've tended to do, or at least I hope that I have. Yeah. Um, um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, 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 the world is crying out for leadership at the moment. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Let's talk about HR. Obviously, I'm an HR guy. Um, so when you're working with, you know, small businesses and franchise owners, what role do you tell them or coach them on from an HR perspective? How do you, how does, what would your advice be to somebody who just started a business? Um, maybe they have five, 10 employees. What role does HR play in those types of organizations, do you think? Well, um, of course, I would tell them to call Brian Busking. But, um, <laughs> um, now, I, you know, it, it's, an, it's an interesting sort of a line that I personally walk sometimes because when I, when I work with clients, it's primarily on the front end. I mean, it's, sure, primarily, it's primarily during the process of figuring out the franchise brand that they want to invest in. And then when they invest in a brand, um, and by the way, I, clients don't pay me anything. I get paid by the franchise brand if somebody buys a franchise ultimately. So, um, so my, my, role, my role personally really does kind of shift at that point to not doing an awful lot of day-to-day work with the client anymore. And so the, when, as, when, the franchi- when, when the franchisee is opening their franchise, they are by and large not talking to me about it. They're talking to the franchise brand. Makes sense. Now, now, franchise brands, um, the good ones anyway, you know, have robust consulting programs with respect to HR. I mean, you know, uh, they, the, the, the good ones will have, you know, employee manuals that have been written that, you, that they will hand to the client. Um, you know, they have, um, you know, the set of best practices around insurance, around uh, hiring, around firing by and large are, uh, are, you know, would, would be people that, you know, for example, you might want to work with, but, uh, I am not doing an awful lot of advising on HR sure. on a regular basis. Um, well, I, and I think, you know, what I, where I see when it comes to small businesses, I see most small businesses with their 10, 15, 20 employees, HR is not a very big priority. But what I, what I do see is when those 10, 15, 20 employees have HR as a priority, which in my mind, HR is taking care of your people. That's yeah. all HR really is about, in my view. Um, those are ones that are succeeding and doing very, very well. And so, um, yeah, and to your point, you're probably right. The franchise, the franchise um, who is guiding that person, giving them the manuals and the coaching and things along those lines, I'm sure they have HR in place that the, that the owner can either take, a, take advantage of or not. Uh, but I, you know, I've worked with some franchises in the past who, you know, the, the corporate, the corporate, um, franchise will, you know, have a partnership with a a competitor of mine or, or another company out there. And I always like to see that just because at least those, those owners have somewhere to turn, even if it's not my company, they have somewhere to turn to guide them on what, what is necessity and what is an, I'm sorry, an necessary to, um, to run that business better for those employees that work there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, like, like people like yourself are the experts in those fields. So one of the things that a good franchise brand does is leverage, leverage expertise in a variety of places yeah. for their, for their franchise owners. Correct. Um, and, 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 you know, part of what you invest in when you invest in a franchise is, the fact that somebody else is figuring a lot of this out for you. Right. Somebody um, already failed once at it. So they got it figured out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, I will say this, I think that not every franchise is created equal Yeah, and not every franchise does probably a perfect job at HR. 
Yeah. Um, uh, and I, I would say that part of the due diligence that anybody should do is to ask enough questions to feel comfortable with the support that they're going to get, be it HR, be it technology, be it, you know, marketing, et cetera. Um, and would, would certainly, you know, want to call on the expertise of um, somebody that knows what they're doing, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and if, if the franchise brand is not providing that, then, um, you know, they, they should be certainly looking for that on their own. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Ben, I always end this podcast by asking my guests to leave us with a piece of advice. So if there is something you could leave us with today, whether it's on franchising, business ownership, or just life in general, what could you leave us with? Yeah, well, I would say this, you know, life, life is short. Um, and I spent a lot of years working for a lot of people and I learned a lot and I had good experiences, but, you know, I was halfway through my working career before I took the plunge to business ownership. And <clears throat> I could have done that five years ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago. And I just think to myself where I might be if I had. Yeah. And so I, my piece of advice would be, you know, do your research, do your due diligence, make sure all your ducks in a row, but don't wait for some magic moment to come because it won't, you know, and then you'll wake up and you'll be like, well, I could have easily made this decision a long time ago. And I think that translates not just, of course, I think it translates into buying your own business or starting your own business, but it really translates into everything else. I think there's a lot of paralysis analysis out there, people that just think and think and think and think and think. And at a certain point you have to do, you have to act. And so I would just say my piece of advice would be to, to act, you know, do, again, do the research that you need to do and be, be smart about it. But, 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 you know, life is short and, and, you know, hop to it, you know, because you're, you're just, um, you know, you're, you're, you're going to wake up and one day and you're going to say, well, I just wish I had done that earlier. Yeah, absolutely. We talk about on this podcast sometimes about being a leader in that in that the same same sentences, you know, don't wait to be a leader, just just go do it. Just go be a leader and and don't ask permission, just just be a leader. Um and so okay. say, you can be you can be a leader irrespective of your job title, amen. irrespective of whether you have anybody that you're supposedly leading. Um just and that's kind of what I was saying before, lead by example and just be out there um yeah. So yeah, absolutely. 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 Well, Ben, on behalf of the STLers podcast, I appreciate you coming on here today, talking to us about franchises. Uh, we wish you nothing but the best. Well, I appreciate that, Brian. Thank you so much.